2022 Winter Olympics go to Beijing. I'm Nicole Bennett. You're listening to the latest edition of ATR Radio. In a close vote at the IOC session in Kuala Lumpur, Beijing is elected as the host of the 2022 Winter Olympics. 44 to 40 was the result of the voting, Almaty Kazakhstan losing to the Chinese capital. The choice of Beijing is termed historic and safe by IOC President Thomas Bach, but the seven years between the IOC election and the hosting of the Games always has some twists and turns. Joining us now from Kuala Lumpur is ATR editor Ed Hula, who has covered a dozen host city elections since 1990. So Ed, what was surprising about the election between Beijing and Almaty? Well, that we were here in the first place deciding between two long shots two years ago when this campaign for the 2022 Winter Olympics began. Almaty and Beijing were really considered afterthoughts you know, much to my embarrassment, perhaps, or my misjudgment, during the Sochi Winter Olympics in 2014, I stood up at a press conference and told the uh, the Beijing delegation that based on what I had heard from IOC members, that there really wasn't much of an appetite for the IOC to go to Asia for the Winter Games of 2022, given that Pyeongchang, South Korea, is going to host the 2018 Winter Olympic Games. Boy, was I wrong. What happened is all the European candidates dropped out because of a failure to collect public support. These collapse of the bids left two cities standing, Almaty and Beijing. And then it was a very close vote today. There were some people who had expected Beijing to run away with this contest, but uh, it was close in terms of uh, IOC votes, 44 to 40. So why was Beijing the winner? It was a combination of things. I think experience from the 2008 Summer Olympic Games was really important. Beijing did a great job delivering those games. And uh, with that has come existing venues. All the venues that were built in Beijing for the Summer Olympics will will be put to use for the Winter Olympic Games. They won't have to build only one arena, a, a speed skating arena in Beijing to be ready for 2022. There is substantial work that needs to be done in the mountains north of Beijing, but that's the, that's the big heavy lifting that they've got to do. And China, a nation with 1.2 billion people, has an economy, has the human resources to carry something like this through. And certainly the size of the country is, uh, is one of those things that, that really helped. Um, Kazakhstan, the country of Kazakhstan, has 19 million people, which is 2 million people less than the city of Beijing has in population. So certainly the experience of Beijing, the size of Beijing, what the China economy has to offer, were all factors in this. And what did Almaty have to offer? Well, they really did, I believe, offer a, a much more passionate uh, perhaps a more persuasive argument for awarding the games for the first time to Kazakhstan. Uh, Almaty had snow, real snow to offer. Beijing, on the other hand, as we've mentioned a number of times, will be nearly 100% dependent upon artificially made snow for the ski courses in the mountains north of the city. Uh, Almaty had a much more compact plan but just didn't have the experience, didn't have the political muscle, the the resources that Beijing has to offer. But uh, certainly they were 
uh, they made a passionate, very persuasive presentation. Uh, this is their second try at a Winter Olympics. This time they got 40 IOC votes. The last time they bid, they didn't even make it to the short list. So um, Almaty, kudos to Almaty for the great effort they made to get this far in this race. And what about the glitch with the electronic voting system that it forced you to switch to paper ballots, right? Right. The IOC, for a number of years now, has just used uh, an electronic voting system to decide these and other uh, votes at the IOC session. It goes a lot faster than paper ballots, very accurate. But this time around in the uh, balloting for the 2022 Winter Olympics, um, the scrutineers, the, the, the IOC members who were watching the counting of the votes, realized that there was something amiss with the way these, and this is the first time they've used tablets to uh, cast the votes, something was amiss. So the decision was made by the scrutineers in conjunction with IOC President Thomas Bach to go to a paper ballot to decide the vote. They'd already cast their ballot. The voting was closed with the tablets, but they sensed some sort of uh, radio interference with the uh, transmission of the results. It was a very close ballot. We don't know if they were tied or two votes away or one vote away, uh, but the decision was made to cancel that electronic voting, go to paper ballots for the final decision to avoid any kind of suspicion. Conspiracy theorists may say that the uh, IOC was trying to do something funny with the race, but IOC President Thomas Bach insisted in his press conference this evening that nothing untoward had happened, and it was a decision made to protect the integrity of the IOC voting. What's ahead for Beijing now? Well, another seven years of preparation for an Olympic game, similar to what they went through with 2008, although, as I said, not not the extensive construction that the 2008 Olympics required. Uh, they're going to have to develop the ski venues in uh, Yanjing and Zhangjiakou, which are respectively about oh, 90 kilometers and 200 kilometers north of Beijing. They have a number of ski resorts there, but they need a lot more development. They'll need construction of an Olympic village there, Olympic village in Beijing as well. A high-speed rail is crucial to the plans to be able to connect Beijing with the ski venues. That has to be constructed over the next few years. And in the next few weeks, few months, they have six months to do it, but probably will do it more quickly than that, forming an organizing committee, the group of executives, sports leaders, who will guide the actual preparation of Beijing 2022 for the next seven years. Challenges for Beijing ahead, I'm sure there are, there are plenty for them on the road ahead to the Games. Indeed. One of them, I believe, will be the question about the use of artificial snow. It requires substantial water resources to be able to manufacture the snow, the amount of snow that will be needed to successfully to have good, good quality venues in the mountains. And with uh, a 100% dependence on artificially made snow, they're going to have to make a lot of it. They're going to have to stockpile it. And I think there may be some criticism for Beijing for the way it takes away from water resources 
that could be used for agriculture, drinking water, and other purposes that are perhaps a little bit more essential to life than creating artificial snow. And Beijing and China for, as we experienced during the run-up to the 2008 Olympics, experienced quite a lot of scrutiny, criticism, concern about the human rights record of the country. And I think we're going to hear those complaints as well arise regularly. I think we already have heard from uh, groups opposed to China's human rights policies already making some critical comments about awarding the games to Beijing today. So those are, those are among the challenges uh, facing, uh, facing Beijing over, over the next seven years. We've frequently heard a figure from the Beijing bid that, that 300 million Chinese will be attracted or become attracted to winter sports by the coming of the 2022 Games. Is this possible? It's a pretty ambitious number. It's the most ambitious figure I think we've heard quoted by Beijing during the length of their campaign. And that's a pretty substantial impact that they're expecting. London 2012 pledged to generate new enthusiasm for sport among young people. And that simply hasn't happened. And it really hasn't happened in any city that's hosted the Olympic Games, summer or winter, even Beijing in 2008. So it's uh, it's a number that I think we're going to try to hold Beijing accountable for, because as frequently as they've cited this 300 million figure, let's see what happens. Um, it would be great if they could indeed increase interest in winter sports by, by that much. But we're not sure it's, it's a sustainable activity. And why 300 million and not 100 million, that's impressive enough. But somehow they've stuck with the figure 300 million. And we'll be following that as, the, uh, as we progress along towards the games. And another winner today in Kuala Lumpur was the city of Lausanne, Switzerland. It beat Brasov, Romania for the 2022 Winter Youth Olympic Games in a landslide vote, right? 70 votes to 11 votes. No question about it. IOC members know Lausanne, Switzerland very well. It's the home of the International Olympic Committee. They travel there frequently. Uh, Lausanne has made a pitch every, well, a number, a couple of times to stage the Winter Olympic Games and uh, have not succeeded. And Switzerland itself has tried to bid a couple of times, mount a bid for the Winter Olympic Games, and those plans have been defeated by referendums or lack of government interest. Uh, this time, though, Switzerland, Lausanne, is a winner with its uh, selection as a 2020 Winter Youth Olympic Games host. They're very proud of that, very satisfied. Swiss government officials told me at their press conference today that this gives them reason to believe that in the future, a 2026 Winter Olympic bid or 2030 Winter Olympic bid could be a possibility. So what's next for the IOC in Kuala Lumpur now? Uh, three more days of meetings, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday is when the IOC session is over. There will be reports from the upcoming Olympic cities of Rio de Janeiro, Pyeongchang, South Korea, and Tokyo. Uh, reports on the implementation of Olympic Agenda 2020, um, 
a lot of routine business that the IOC conducts at, at these annual meetings. Um, and uh, the, the, the heavy lifting, the big decision was made today, though, and that's the uh, 2022 Winter Olympic vote. And before we go away, I did want to give credit, kudos to our great Around the Rings team that's hard at work here in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. Uh, Mark Bisson, the European editor for Around the Rings. Brian Benelli, who's based in Prague, Czech Republic, our winter sports specialist. Kyle Renato, our summer intern from Georgetown University. And, of course, our publisher, Sheila Scott Hula, who's done a great job getting photographs and keeping everybody in line here in Malaysia. Again, that was ATR editor Ed Hula reporting with the rest of the ATR team in Kuala Lumpur at the 128th IOC session. Be sure to tune in to Around the Rings online, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. I'm Nicole Bennett. Thanks for listening.